Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. I'm Sabrina Steerwalt, and I'm Everyday Einstein, bringing you quick and dirty tips to help you make sense of science. Today is International Women's Day, a day for celebrating the ways in which women have shaped culture and progressed our knowledge of the world around us. It is also a day for drawing attention to the obstacles women still face by promoting discussions of how to work to remove those obstacles to an international stage. When I complained to my middle school science teacher that all we ever learned about were discoveries made by men and asked him why we couldn't talk about an experiment led by a woman for a change, he told me that historically, women hadn't participated in scientific pursuits. My teacher wasn't all wrong. There have been, and continue to be, societal pressures and barriers to women's participation in scientific research. Prior to the 1860s, few universities in the U.S. even admitted women. The first woman to earn a Ph.D. in physics in the United States, Jenny Rosenthal Bramley, did so in 1929. But that's not the whole story. Women have always participated in science at some level, but their contributions were not always valued. In some cases, they were forced to work in the shadows of male peers or even their spouses, so their results had a male name on them as well. In the worst cases, credit for women's research was given to male colleagues, and women were written out of history entirely. In honor of International Women's Day, let's discuss the case of Rosalind Franklin and the decoding of the structure of DNA. First, a word about our sponsor. Today's sponsor is Casper Mattresses, obsessively engineered American-made mattresses at a shockingly fair price. And now you can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash everyday and using code everyday. Listen, you spend about a third of your life sleeping. Let's make sure you're doing it on a good mattress. Casper brings together two comfy technologies for better nights and brighter days, latex foam and memory foam. So they've got just the right sink, just the right bounce, no matter how you sleep. They've got a risk-free trial and return policy. They'll deliver it straight to you. You can try for 100 days. And if you're not happy, they'll pick it back up. At the store, maybe you'll get a minute to try their mattresses. With Casper, you'll actually get to sleep on it. It's $500 for a twin-size mattress and $950 for a king-size mattress. Comparing that to industry averages, that's an outstanding price point. So get $50 toward any mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash everyday and using code everyday. Terms and conditions apply. Born in 1920, the first year Oxford began awarding degrees to women, Rosalind Franklin used the technique of X-ray crystallography to uncover the structures of viruses, coal, graphite, and perhaps most famously, DNA and RNA. DNA or deoxyribonucleic acid, is a molecule that contains all of our hereditary information, our unique genetic code. DNA can also replicate, 
meaning that it can make copies of itself. This is incredibly important for our origin and growth as a species. When our bodies need to create new cells, copies of our DNA from existing cells can be transferred. Our brain cells tend to last our entire lives, but other kinds of cells tend to have much shorter lifetimes, like red blood cells, several months, or skin cells, only a few weeks, and so must be replaced. Research that began with Franklin, as well as work by James Watson, Francis Crick, and Maurice Wilkins, led to the discovery of the double helix structure of DNA in 1953. Although, we should note that DNA was actually identified in 1869 by Frederick Meischer. You can think of a double helix as a twisted ladder. The rungs of the ladder are formed by two possible pairs of nitrogen bases, either adenine and thymine or guanine and cytosine. The sides holding the ladder together are made up of phosphate and sugar molecules. The order and pattern in which these base pairs appear holds the genetic information unique to each of us much like how letters can be assembled in different ways to form words and sentences. This information can be translated by a messenger molecule known as ribonucleic acid, or RNA, into the actual production of proteins. These long strings of bases are able to fit into our cells by being packed into chromosomes. Knowing the structure of DNA allows us, among many other benefits, to better identify which human disorders are genetic. We can then perform important genetic tests, including determining which genetic mutations a person could pass on to their children and when we are at risk for a genetic disease. Watson, Crick, and Wilkins were awarded the Nobel Prize in Medicine in 1962 for their work to unlock the blueprints to DNA. However, little to no credit was given to Franklin, whose laboratory investigations and analysis of the structure of DNA formed the basis for their model. Some argue that she would have also been awarded the prize, specifically the Nobel Prize for Chemistry, if not for her battle with ovarian cancer, which ended at the young age of 37, before Watson, Crick, and Wilkins were honored with the Nobel. However, it is clear that she was not given the credit she deserved even while alive. Some accounts claim that Wilkins made the first move to edge out Franklin by sharing with Watson without her permission her photographs that depicted the double helix structure. Watson was said to have had little contact with Franklin while they worked at the same institution in the years leading up to the development of his model, and yet her photographs served as the model's basis. The scientific paper announcing the Watson, Crick, and Wilkins model also only contained a vague reference to her in a footnote. It wasn't until Watson's autobiographical account of the discovery was published in 1968 that Franklin's role became a topic of more public conversation. The DNA research discussed in the book was clearly founded on Franklin's work, but Watson had mostly only harsh things to say about Franklin, calling her uninteresting, belligerent, and the product of an unsatisfied mother. He not only minimized her role in the DNA discovery, but also her status as a successful researcher, for example, by referring to her as Rosie, a nickname she never adopted for herself. Now her contributions have slowly gathered more and more recognition. Watson's book led other offers, like Anne Sayre, to pen accounts from Franklin's perspective. Additionally, Aaron Klug was eventually awarded the Nobel Prize in Chemistry in 1982 for his efforts to map the structures of other nucleic acids and proteins, a project built on the foundation of his work as a student of Franklin. There are also many awards in Rosalind Franklin's name, 
honoring women who have made significant contributions over all areas of science, including endowed faculty positions for women at prestigious institutions like the University of Groningen, and the Rosalind Franklin Young Investigator Award from the Gruber Foundation and the Genetic Society of America. Although it is too late for Franklin to experience being awarded public credit for her discoveries, discussing her groundbreaking work is still inspiring for young girls who wish to become chemists or geneticists themselves and want to hear about scientific pursuits led by women, for a change. Until next time, this is Sabrina Steerwalt with Everyday Einstein's quick and dirty tips for helping you make sense of science. You can become a fan of Everyday Einstein on Facebook or follow me on Twitter where I'm at QDT Einstein. If you have a question that you'd like to see on a future episode, send me an email at everydayeinstein at quickanddirtytips.com.